Listen to these words of Jesus as recorded in the book of Matthew. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody's got your coats on. It's good. Snow pants, moon boots. That's good. Um, I am just so pleased that I have the opportunity to introduce a, a friend today uh, to bring the word today. But I also wanted to point out that um, a couple of months ago, I had the privilege of doing a, a great uh, wedding for Arena and Vadim. And Vadim, right over here in the black leather jacket, he saw him up here with the guitar. At that wedding reception, he played uh, a sting song called Fragile, which was amazing. And I was like, I didn't know that you could do that. And because I now know that, uh, <laughs> I have some work for you. <laughs> and so uh, he's volunteering, and, and you saw him up here. This was his debut, uh, helping to lead worship today. So Vadim, thank you so much. <laughs> and then, of course, we got Matt Yoder back. And of course, we all love Matt. So hopefully we can keep these guys engaged. But um, I want to introduce my friend Nick Nye. Nick, come on up here. Uh, Nick was uh, from Columbus, Ohio, and he came to New York about a year and a half ago with his wife, Brittany, to uh, lead Apostles downtown, which is a church that we connect with and that we love and we want to be in partnership with wherever possible. And uh, Nick was crazy. He left like a church that was that he started, it grew to over 1,500 really, really quickly, and he just wanted a bigger challenge. So he moved here to New York <laughs> with his four children, and he's trying to figure out the school systems and trying to get his wife and everybody happy and get this church off the ground, and he's doing a great job. I've heard uh, many of his messages. I've listened to some of them online, and, and, uh, and I just thought, I, I want to come alongside this guy because anybody that would make a choice like that uh, could use some friends, and so over the last year and a half, uh, we've we've become better friends, and I'm just thrilled to to introduce uh, Nick to you today. So, Nick, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't think I could have said that better. Um, and some of you are like, "Well, he's either crazy, or um, I don't know." He's just lost a few marbles, a little bit of both, all of that. Um, but I'm really glad to be here, and um, I'm so thankful to connect with this church and just have a friendship with this church. My kids actually came to the Vacation Bible School this uh, summer, and so thank you for blessing my children. We don't have any kids um, currently, uh, except for a few really small ones at our church. And my kids are a little older, so it's a huge blessing to connect with some of your kids and some kids from the neighborhood. We actually live here in the neighborhood. 
And, um, and so it's just such, such a joy to be able to connect. I'm really thankful for James and his friendship. And um, yeah, and I'm, I'm praying that that would continue to grow and that I can be a blessing in some ways. And so my hope today is just to come and serve you by just giving you the, the word of God, God's word in, in the scriptures. And so um, let's, let's just jump into this. Um, the big question I want to ask, that a question that I'm sure you are asking in one way or another, even if you're not asking, actually asking the question, you're, you're doing it with your life, um, is what is my purpose? What is my purpose? It's a question that we all wrestle with that at some point in our life, sometime we settle into that question and we say, I know what my purpose is, I know what I'm doing. But when it comes to finding our purpose or our place in this world, um, a lot of times it comes about in different ways. So maybe a major event happened in your life when you were young that sparked an interest for you. So maybe a family member had cancer and that just sparked something in you. You said, I want to be a nurse or I want to be a doctor. I want to... Uh, I want to figure this out. I want to understand this. Or maybe you watched that epic Broadway show and you, you saw that and you're like, that is exactly what I want to do. Um, or, uh, or, or something happened to you when you were, when you were uh, exploring and thinking about this that made you um, just drawn to it. Some people call your purpose a summoning, like a calling. Um, and, and it clicks in your soul, something you can't quite explain. Um, others of us might take a much simpler path where we end up just following in the footsteps of a family member. We take over the family business. Um, or, or we, we walk in a similar profession as our parents. Um, and we just go with what makes sense. Um, still, again, others of you might be in that place of discovery. You're here and you're like, I still don't really know what I want to do, what my purpose is. Um, you're working hard, you're experimenting with your talents, you're getting education, um, and you're just waiting for that summoning, that, that calling. We're a people who are <clears throat> caught up in building who we are. Really, our whole lives are building who we are based on what will I do with my life. Our professions, our jobs, our resume. This becomes our purpose. This becomes everything that we shape our life around and, and everything the world tells us to shape around are really the key virtue that we pursue in all of our life. And so I want to, I really want to poke at our soul, so to speak, uh, to get us into this deeper space where we're thinking a little bit more beyond uh, the, the resume, beyond um, our, our, our talents and our, that kind of a calling that we have. I want us to look beyond that to find our true purpose. And I'm going to highlight and underline the word true purpose. I want us to see beyond the resume. So Christianity has been coming alongside um, our, our highly driven, our very talented, our passionate culture, not to take us away from the resume, not to take us away from our profession, not at all, but actually to provide a deeper purpose that we've been looking for. Because many times, um, as many of you have probably discovered as you've walked down your profession, and you've gotten to a certain point where you're like, I've arrived. This is it. This is it. There's got to be more. There's, is there more to this? Is there more than the money and the success or the, the, uh, the arrival of the actual resume? I've got it filled out in the way I want. My hope today is that um, those of you who are waiting 
for that spark or in that space where you've discovered and you've been walking and you've, you've found out that there's got to be something more, that this would be, this would be an aha moment or a breakthrough that you've been waiting for, that you've been looking for, that you've been hoping for, that this scripture, this passage that was read in Matthew 28 would really give us that moment of, oh, oh, that's what it is. Because what Jesus is getting at, if you're willing to look, and you're willing to listen, and actually more than just listen and look, is you're, you're willing to pursue is that your purpose in this world is to come alongside God and make disciples of this world. Let's look at three aspects of this passage that I I hope will draw this sort of soulful, truthful, true purpose to us. First, look at the all-encompassing authority of Jesus, starting with uh, verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Jesus is saying this to his disciples after his public crucifixion, after his burial and his resurrection. His disciples are, are sitting with Jesus and they're still shaking off this disbelief like, wait, wait, Jesus is actually with us. He's right here in front of us. They're shocked that they're having this conversation now. But because they saw it all happen, they saw the death and the resurrection, they touched his nail-scarred hands, and they were eating together, and they were, um, they, were, they were together having this conversation. Because of all of that, they're on the edge of their seats. They're like, okay, well, we're convinced. I, I don't know how this is happening. I don't know. They're a little disoriented, but we're convinced. Give us truth. Show us what this is. What do we do now? What's next? And then we we read, if we back up to verse 17, that some still doubted. Some still doubted at this point. In their shock and their amazement, uh, some some were still doubting in this. And so you've got this mixed bag of people coming, and they want to hear. They're, They're hanging on to every word that Jesus is saying. And so he starts... If we back up again even more to verse 16, he starts by directing them to the mountain. This is much like Moses, if you know that story in Exodus, who went to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Moses did that. He went to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Yet now, Jesus, he is speaking from the mountain. But he isn't relaying God's vision He isn't just the messenger like Moses was. He is the carrier of all authority in heaven and on earth. He's not a messenger. He is the message. Notice the word all is used here. Some of you, if you have kids, or if you've had kids in the house, you know the word all, always, is used completely irrationally. Um, in my house, it's used very irrationally. She always says this. He always does that. Uh, we, we do this with one another too. We exaggerate. Everything's always exaggerated. We all feel this way when it's really maybe just you. Maybe your spouse, maybe your friend, one person. You're like, no, 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 we all feel this way. And, and we, we, we exaggerate the word all. Often, So when Jesus comes and he uses the word all, 
all authority. Look how, many, look how much he uses it. All authority, all nations, all things, all the days. The disciples aren't hearing this like a, a, a child. They're hearing this. Um, they're hearing this because, uh, because they're looking at a man who calmed the winds and the waves, who healed the sick, who cast demons, who raised people from the dead, and then, after all this, was beaten near to death just a few days ago, killed, buried, rose from the dead. And so when he says all, when he uses this word, this is not exaggeration. There was a renewed weight to the word all for the disciples. No exaggeration. And, Jesus, and so Jesus chooses to speak of his authority, not just to them or for them, but for the universe. The cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ were the inauguration into what is being announced here. That Jesus is the king and the universe is his kingdom. It is all mine, he's saying. This authority and this sphere of authority is important. We have to understand when Jesus is saying all authority and he's declaring it over all of the universe, this is important to your little universe today. This is important because we separate our lives into different boxes, into different categories. We separate out our career life from our church life, don't we? Our Sunday from our Monday through Friday or Saturday, we separate these worlds from each other. We say our career is secular, and we would say our church is Christian, our sacred. This is God's, this is mine. But Jesus is saying, nope, all of that, all of that is mine. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me by the Father because I took the sins of the world upon myself and I conquered it, raising a new life, not just for church time, not just for Sunday, but for it all. And I want the authority in all of your life. In the time you wake up, to the time you go to bed, and I want the time you go to bed too. He's saying all of it. That means our career is important to God. Our resume actually is important to him. Our professional calling is important to him. But he is saying that there is a purpose behind that resume. There is more to it. If Jesus is in all of it, if he's in the Monday, Tuesday, in all of it, if he's in all of that, then there's, uh, there's, there's got to be more. So let's look at verse 19. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, if I can give you an old uh, churchy Sunday school one-liner, some of you might know this. Anytime you see a therefore... In the Bible, you ask, anybody know? Wow. This is a godly church. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm just, I'm going to stop there almost. But what's it there for? Because Jesus, he is connecting his all-encompassing authority, his authority over all of our life and all of the universe... He's connecting that with our all-encompassing purpose. 
what we are called to, who he is to who we are. And he's connecting that. He wants you, he wants you to see that's connected. Now that he has been given all authority, all the universal authority, we get a universal purpose, a calling, a commissioning, a mission. And it's given to us as a gift. He's saying, here it is. So what do we do with this? Well, verse 19 through 20 are commandments for us. He's saying, here's what you do with it. What we do as disciples of Jesus. So let's break this down for a second. Some of you might be very familiar with this passage, very familiar with these words. But the first word is that we go. Jesus starts with a very, very difficult word. Some of you might not have carried the weight of such a difficult word. Going means leaving. It means moving away from. For my wife and I, as, as, as Pastor James said already, for my wife and I, going took on a new level of understanding several years ago as we left Columbus, Ohio, a church where I was known, a people I was known, and a people I loved, and a church that had my fingerprints all over it, and it was so beautiful. And so to leave that and to leave family in Ohio, to come here and put new roots in a city where we felt that needed the gospel, that needed to hear about Jesus, that needed a a strong church community, Um, going was really hard, really difficult. It, It pushed us out of the nest, and it's scary, and it's unknown, and most of the time we just don't want to do it, do it. But, you know, New Yorkers... We, we, we also love the word go because we're always on the go, right? Always on the move. We're always going. Somebody stops to take a picture. We're annoyed. We walk around them, right? Because we're, we're going. We're ready to go. We love action words like these. But look at the word. This word is not, if you're a grammar person, you'll get it even if you aren't. But if you are a grammar person, this word is not the imperative in this passage. It's not the bullseye. It's not the center. This is the participle word meant to support and move toward something. So the go is the vehicle to move toward something. So maybe you're ready to go. Maybe you're excited to go. But listen to what we're going for. Make disciples of all nations. This is the center. This is the bullseye, the core purpose. Make disciples of all nations. Uh, uh, If you're a Christian, you've heard that a million times, probably. Maybe it's become something so uh, repetitive and so normal to you that you don't quite think about it anymore. My hope is that you can think about it a little differently or deeper today. But now what this means is that We give the world our gifts and talents. You you serve the world with your singing and your spreadsheets and your artistic vision and your hospitality, all the work you give. But below that, deeper in there is a call to walk in those professions making disciples. It means, this is going to be a hard one, it means disrupting our colleagues Disrupting our colleagues and maybe our workflow in wise and healthy ways so that our friends can become disciples of Jesus. So that our work can be a 
a glory to God. It means we insert our lives into the lives of others so that we can be signposts to Jesus. We are one disciple telling another disciple about how to find their true purpose. Now, we aren't belligerent, right? We aren't cryptic either. Many of us are very cryptic. Many of us can be very belligerent. Or maybe we make people our projects. But we live as disciples who found hope. And we found joy, and we found peace, and we found family uh, by our wonderful connection to God, by our relationship with Him, by knowing Him. God has given us uh, this purpose in our lives, and so we can tell other people about what we know, about what we have. And the word make disciples means not just telling others about Jesus, but we lead them into relationship with Jesus. We show the thirsty the water, the hungry food, the skeptic answers. We help them to see there's no other place in this world to get this kind of fulfillment, this kind of purpose, this kind of hope. We come along and say, I've found it. I still have questions. I'm still wrestling. I'm still on a journey, but I I think this is it. Or maybe as the disciples said, "There's there's nowhere else to go. Where else can we go? You have the words to eternal life. And it, let, me, let me just add this caveat here. If you're here and you're not a Christian, um, I'm, I'm hoping that, that uh, this is a place where you can feel comfortable as a non-Christian to explore Christianity, check out who God is and kick the tires on Christianity. Well, you should expect Christians to disrupt you in a good way. And if they aren't, Call them out. Ask them to lead you to Jesus. Ask them to show you who he, who he is. Get answers together. But note here another participle that supports the disciple making. Jesus adds the phrase, all nations. There's the word all again. Jesus is passionate that not just the majority culture or the popular or the American nation Um, gets the experience and the joy of knowing Jesus, but it's for all nations, something that this church knows very beautifully and gets to reflect so beautifully. If we read Revelation 5, 9, it describes a picture of Jesus' disciples in the future, a heavenly vision. It It says in Revelation, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain by and by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus is already thinking about that. It's already on his heart. It's already written in his mind. And this is what he wants to see happen before us. All people are invited to the table. Those on the margins, those who are ignored by society. All nations, a picture we see every day on a train, we're called to see right here before us as disciples of Jesus. Surrounding making disciples is two other words that are part of the purpose we have. Baptizing and teaching. Now, these aren't the means of making disciples, but they characterize disciple making. Baptizing and teaching are the overflow of becoming a disciple. The act of baptism 
is an act that we undervalue as a society, but it was a, it was a, it was a radically key act in the first century. It was in, really important. You know, you, you, you know a man named John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, um, he would call people, uh, the people of God, to come and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And we have Jesus, who is the savior of the world, who is the creator of all the universe and, and holds the cosmos in his hand, yet humbled himself to become a man. He comes before John the Baptist and gets baptized as an example, as an illustration of the cleansing and the beauty and the relationship that we have with God. And the father speaks and says, this is my beloved son. And the Holy Spirit comes down in the, in, in the form of a dove. And all authority has been given here. Baptism displays that, and we get to see that in our own baptisms. We're called to baptize, to take water as a sign, as a ceremony, that you are one with God, just as the triune God is one. That you're buried with Christ, that you're risen with Christ. And the water represents our cleansing. We need clean. And it's, it's a weird, it's a strange thing. I mean, there's nothing weirder than somebody standing in shorts in front of a bunch of other strangers and people uh, soaking wet. That's a strange thing. But we're witnessing the discipleship process unfold in baptism. Baptism is undervalued, but uh, another essential characteristic of disciple-making is teaching. And that, that, that still is also undervalued in some ways. Look at verse 20a. We're to teach them to observe, there's the word again, all. All Jesus has commanded you. All. Think about that. All Jesus commanded you. And, and this is more than transferring information, isn't it? Just telling you. Like, give, give a classroom lecture. This is more than a sermon, even. Let me give you a few observations here. Um, and there's so much to unpack in this, but let me give you a few observations. One is that Jesus, when he calls them to observe all... He's not assuming there would be a time when the, uh, the Bible or the scriptures would be irrelevant or outdated. He wasn't thinking, well, I know this isn't really relevant anymore. No, that's not, that's not where he is. Many in our society have cut out parts of the Bible we don't like. Maybe literally, maybe just mentally. You just don't like that. So we've treated Jesus' teaching like a smorgasbord to take and leave truths at will. But everything he has commanded has a place for us in our lives today in New York City. Whatever profession we find ourselves in, he has things to say to us. So all his teachings are relevant to us, all of it. Now the second observation is that all his teachings we find in both the Old Testament and the New Testament are all pointing to Jesus. They all point to him. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. I referenced Moses already. There's so much relationship and connection. Although we very much disconnect the values of God in the Old Testament and the values of God in the New Testament... Jesus does not do that at all. I mean, in John chapter 5, he says, you diligently search the scriptures because you think in them they have eternal life, but it is in them that bear witness about me, saying the Old Testament is actually telling the story of me. Can you see that? Can you not observe that? So to teach. So to teach, when we teach 
all that Jesus has commanded. We have to take all of it in and know that all of that points to Jesus, points to him. And so the all-encompassing purpose for us is to go make disciples. And when disciples are made, we go to all the nations, we baptize, we teach Jesus. So let me ask a hard question. Does this characterize your life? Even in your career, does this deeper purpose come to, to life around you? Does it come out of you? Does it, is it animated around you? Well, the last few words of this purpose, I'll say this purposeful call, calling, drives home not just another commandment, not just another ask of you and me, it's a comfort. The last part is a comfort. You see the bookends in this, in, this few, in these few verses? Remember, all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. And then the other bookend, verse 20b, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And can you imagine this little band of 11 hearing this? I mean, can you imagine these disciples hearing this? I mean, they've got to be overwhelmed. Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're, you're just talking, are, you t- are, are there other people involved in this? Is, you're just talking to 11 of us. They've got to be overwhelmed with this grand purpose and this mission that has been placed on them as they're hearing this. How would they fulfill this? How could they possibly carry all of this out? How could they carry this on? How can they take God, the God of the universe, how could they, the 11, carry this out in all the world? How could they fulfill Jesus' ask of them? Some of you might have felt this kind of weight at work. Maybe you had a big project in, in, at work and you felt your boss just look at you and say, hey, you gotta do it. Deadline's next week. And you're like, but, but, but I, I, I can't. I, I don't know how this is gonna happen. I don't have the team. I don't have the resources. None of that. But your boss looks at you saying, you got to. Well, Jesus is actually giving us a much, 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 much bigger. He's saying, I want, you to, I want you to take what I've given you, all that I've given you, and I want you to go into all of the world, all of the nations, and make disciples. No problem, right? Some of you are like, no problem, Jesus, I got this, all the nations. Even here in New York City, you couldn't hardly make a splash. And so the disciples were overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed with this big assignment, but this last reminder gives us something that our bosses will never give, that no team member can ever provide. It's that he is always present. What Jesus is saying is the weight of this purpose is enormous, but I will never leave you. I won't ditch you. If you bomb it, if you fail, if you shy away from that conversation, your coworker just says, man, I just, I just am not finding that purpose in life. And you're like, oh, you know, shy away. I, that's not today. This is not a good time. You know, or you, you know those moments where you just blow it. You miss the opportunity. You stumble over your words. Maybe you try or you don't have all the answers and you're just not, you feel like you're not smart enough. Some of you might have an image of God as angry with you. Just holding his arms, folding his arms, and just looking and saying, I told you, go make disciples of all nations. Don't come back to me until you've been doing that works. 
you know. Some of you might have this image, this picture of God's always testing you. How well are you going to perform for him? How well can you handle this? But these few words tell us a lot about God's vision for our lives. The big purpose is big and heavy, and God will never leave us or forsake us in this. He will never shake his head in disappointment at you if you, if you struggle through it. He's not going to walk away. He is not going to fire you. Listen, this is the promise that he wants to leave you with. Right now, he wants that promise for you now. The all-powerful Jesus, who gives you the very weighty calling, this deep purpose, a life-fulfilling mission, ends with a promise that he is with you. Can you even hold that? Can you just hold that in your heart, in your head? See, when we experience the breakthrough of the glory and beauty, beautiful uh, beauty of Jesus Christ, when we can experience knowing him, just that, that moment of, oh, oh, that's who you are. We are given a deep, soulful, and godly purpose to carry this breakthrough, to carry this aha moment, to carry this calling in our lives and give it away. Show others their true purpose, their true mission. So if you haven't experienced this, if you haven't experienced this breakthrough or experienced the good news of Jesus Christ in your own life, if you haven't seen that mission come out of your heart, out of your life, if you haven't seen that radiate in your everyday work, if you haven't seen God's authority well up in your life and overflow out, I want to call you this morning to call upon God. Ask him to show himself to you. Ask him hard questions. Ask him to reveal your own heart and your own um, failings and, and your own uh, ways that you need to ask him for forgiveness. But in all of that, whether you're not a believer or whether you are a Christian and you are feeling that failure, I want us all to leave knowing this last word. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. God, you are moving toward us. And I pray that in this Christmas season, that, that these words would resonate truer every day with us. I am with you always to the end of the age. You are with us. You have come to us. You are present with us. You are here. Lord, would you stir us and stir our hearts to know you, to walk with you, to step into what you have for us. We give you all the glory. Jesus' name.